Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Shannon Lawrence, who is an author and co-host of the True Crime podcast, Mysteries, Monsters, and Mayhem. Shannon, how you doing? I'm good. Happy to be here. How are you? I'm good, too. Happy to have you here. <laughs> you like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. Okay. So about myself, I'm I'm a... Uh, mom and wife and all that good stuff, but I'm also an author and uh, I took advantage of the pandemic to get my business administration management degree. And so that was very exciting because that is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a woman of a certain age and I was like, you know what? It's time. So if we couldn't go anywhere, I was going to do school. (laughs) So I did that, but I also, I'm a published author. I write primarily short stories at this time. Big Love is horror short stories. I think it's a great format for horror. Mm-hmm. So you yep. can talk it to people pretty well in the short form for horror. And I recently put out the business of short stories, writing, submitting, publishing, and marketing, and was able to actually use a good part of that degree plus my experience because I've been doing this for a while. And that was a passion project of mine. Another thing that came out of <laughs> the pandemic, I guess you could say. So I finally had time, right? (laughs) So did you start writing when the pandemic started or were you writing well before that? I was writing well before it, but it was, uh, things culminated in such a way that I could focus on it for a little bit. I had to, I was working at a restaurant when all the shutdowns happened and that was a really weird place to be. People were strange, you know, dealing with people, they were bucking against the rules and all of this. And I did not enjoy being there. I did end up quitting that job for a bunch of reasons, but part of it was there's no business during the pandemic. So having a bookkeeper wasn't a necessity, I figured. When I'm doing the finances and I'm like, okay, so paying me might be problematic. I think I need to go. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But so that also left me, then I had that time and I had decided, all right, let's, let's use this. And now I'm back in the, you know, normal, I have a day job again, but I had a, about a two-year break to do that school and get all that done. So there for fun, <laughs> for fun, once I was done with school, I really love to hike. I live in a great place for that. And I love photography as well. I feel that. I feel, do you ever sell your photos? I don't. I've thought about it in the past. And then I was like, you know, I already took one passion and, and <laughs> made it. that into a job in a way, right? And I was yeah. like, the photography, I'm keeping it for me. I feel that. I feel that. So author and what is your day job? It's in business administration. Uh, It's I do basically accounts payable and accounts receivable for a nonprofit. Yeah. Oh, nice. Which nonprofit? If you don't mind me asking, you don't have to say (laughs) it's Sonoran Prevention Works. It's in Arizona. I live in Colorado, so it's a remote job, but it's a it's just it's a great nonprofit that helps people who uh, have addiction issues and stuff like that and supporting them instead of trying to force their hand or make them do things that people generally are. 
So it provides, provides support. Gotcha. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, cool. Just curious, why is short form kind of writing better for, like, what makes it so that you can punch it to them in horror as opposed to long form? So in horror, you have to draw the suspense out. You have to keep tension going. In a book, if you read a novel, no matter how good the writer is, there's going to be lulls that you can't be tense all the time. And in the short form, it's a lot easier to, to keep that tension the whole time and make that okay. You know, there's breathers, there's little puffs. It's the same thing that jump scares are for in a movie, right? Is that you, you find a way to let people kind of release that, that steam a little bit, and then you hit it to them harder after that. But yeah, short form really does contribute to being able to keep tension growing and not having to have all those lulls that a, that a novel would have to have. I love it. And so do you like publish each short form story kind of uh, individually, or is it like a book with like a hundred short form stories or something like that? So what I do first, I send them out to markets, magazines and anthologies that small publishers tend to do and get them published that way first. So they come out in books or magazines. And then once I have the rights back on them, because Publishers will only have limited rights to your stories. The longest I've ever had was two years where it wasn't, you know, where before it returned to me. And then I bundle them and I put them in collections of my own. Gotcha. Gotcha. There we go. Well, tell us a bit more about your motivation. What gets you up and keeps you going every day? I, I, so I'm a pretty driven person. If I have my goals, I'm going to go after them and get them. And writing is something I've wanted to do for ages. It's, it can always be kind of a cliche. I have maybe one friend that's like, I didn't want to do it. And then I wrote one story and sold it. And so I sold a, st- a few yeah. more and yay, I'm published. But most of us wanted to do that from pretty early on. And it always kind of took a back seat until I was in like my late twenties. And I realized that I would like this to be my job. I would like this to be my career. And so those goals kind of changed, but what keeps me going is that in writing anything artistic really is you are always, you can always be learning more. You can always be doing better. So no matter what success you find with that, creative should always be reaching for that next level and always trying to improve what they're doing. And so that's what I want to do. I want to get better and I want to find success and I want it to be a feasible, you know, day job. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. And so, okay, actually, that's a perfect segue. I was about to ask a follow-up question, but I'm just going to segue into the next section, which is about your dreams and goals. Okay. And now I'm going to frame it this way. I know that you want it to be a day job. Do you see it um, happening in the next year, the next five years, the next 10 years? Like, when do you see that happening? And how would that take shape? So definitely not in the next year. But <laughs> but this is a goal, I would say, Within five years, I'd like to have a healthy income for it. Within 10, I would like it to be all I have to do. Oh, sorry. The sun just got really crazy. You're all good. (laughs) But um, yeah, that is. And of course, there's varying degrees of success, right? Especially with something like this. It's in the next five years, there are certain publications I'd like to be in. There are, I would love to have something in best, one of Ellen Datlow's best horror anthologies that she does each year and smaller goals like that, building up to the big goals of being overall what I would consider a success. I got you. 
I gotcha. So within 10 years, have writing be all that you do. That's one dream and goal. You have any other dreams or goals that you want to chat about? Really right now, that's my big one. <laughs> Is that yeah. Because uh, yeah, I, I, again, since I've been starting to get to focus on that again, that's kind of my be all and end all for the time being. No, I love it. Yeah. I have, I have like two goals for my entire life. So <laughs> I'm right there yeah. with you of <laughs> like very focused, very just, um, focused goals, you know? Okay. Well, paint the picture of what your life looks like 10 years from now. It is June 29th, 2032. <laughs> 10 years from now. I, I, I'm not 10 years from now. I've got a second shelf lined with my books <laughs> because I've just filled the first shelf and had to put my first publication stacked on top of those books. And that was weirdly exciting. So 10 years from now, there's I'd say even it's 10 years, there's several shelves and they're all my books. Yeah. <laughs> they're not somebody else's. My name is on those puppies and people know who I am. I've had good reviews. I've made it onto bestseller lists. That's 10 years from now. And what does a day in your life looks like? Cause now you're a full-time writer. So are you writing 10 hours a day? Are you writing for a really focused three and then kind of have your lifestyle, like a lifestyle entrepreneur a little bit? Like, tell me what your days look like. So I'm, I refer to it as sprint writing. Cause I can get a lot of words done in a short time because you know, it percolates in your brain. A lot of the time, once you sit down and write, then it's, whoosh, it flows out. Not everybody works that way, but that's how I work. So I do have the day job that starts, that starts my day. And it, I take care of that. I'm doing that at home. I can sit on my sofa and take care of business, which is so nice. Yeah. <laughs> that was a goal too, right? But now we've met it. But it, then in the evening, usually after dinner, I have a little time with my husband and then everybody knows that the rest of the night is for me. Yeah. So <laughs> once he goes to bed, the kids kind of go and do their own thing. I have two teenagers. So that makes it way simpler now. Yeah. <laughs> but at the beginning of all this, they were not, they were little. So, um, yeah, so then I can sit down and write and I usually still just kind of hang out in the living room and do that. I have an office space. I'm in it right now, (laughs) but I tend to come in here when I'm getting, reaching the end of a project and really need to shut down everything else. And then, yeah, I can get a a ton written in a short time and it's nice. (laughs) I just discovered, what is it? 5d music. I think it is. You can plug in your headphones and put that on and it moves because I have ADHD. So the music kind of moves in the headphones and it keeps you from being distracted. Because if I'm not listening to that, I'll like, oh, why don't I check my phone? Why don't I check my yeah. email? So now, no, I can put my nose down and just plow okay. through. I love it. I love it. But 10 years from now, you won't have the day job. So what will your, what right. will your day look like in 10 years? I see what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> 10 years. Yeah. It's going to be, here's the thing. I really do my best creative work and honestly, everything else late at night. I'm just one of those people. So I'll still probably be writing in the evening, but at least during the day I can be doing the business part because I think that's what a lot of people don't realize is how much marketing writers have to do, how much business stuff we have to do, which is why I thought that I do work in office things for the day job I have for a long time. So that degree also lent to that. And I've done a lot of management but it was also really important for the writing career because more and more authors have to do everything. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, it's important for that. So 
during the day, I will get to do some marketing and then take a nice break and go for a hike and, you know, worry about me and (laughs) myself, my body, my mental health, and, and then come back and then just ride away at night. And I do editing during the day too, because I I don't need that same energy as I do when I'm writing at all, but the writing is my favorite part. (laughs) There we go. There we go. I love it. Well, if there were one or two people that you could meet right now, and this could be a specific person or a type of person, and they would help bring that 10 years forward to five, forward to three, who would they be and how would they do it? So I think a big part of that for a writer, there's a sort of luck you can happen into when you find the right agent and they love what you're writing. An agent would be a big one because if they love what you're writing, they're going to work with you to make it better and to find the right places to publish it. And that little thing, that one small thing that can be so hard to get can, would be able to change that right forward and get that momentum going. I feel that. I feel that. And what would the right agent So they love what you're writing and they know how to get you connected to the places where your writing needs to be. That's right. They know who it is that's publishing that type of thing. Who else might actually love it as much as say the two of us would. So that's, it's all passion, right? And an agent has to have that same passion for the work that they're representing. I feel that. So would your ideal agent be somebody who is connected to what's that? place you want to be published in they post oh that's it so that's for short stories and uh the agent would be handling novel length i don't have to go through an agent for short stories which is nice but yeah no that one i want to do on my own and i have kind of a oh it's kind of a failure story (laughs) i was at a, a horror convention recently and the publisher of that anthology i want to be in is named ellen datlow and unfortunately i was really sick from um, vertigo from the, the elevators. And so I ended up leaving early. And as I'm waiting to leave, I'm sitting at a table in the lobby of the hotel and who should come up to my table with several other big names, <laughs> but Ellen Datlow. And they asked, they're waiting for food. Is it okay if they sit with me? And I'm like, yes. And I got to chat a little bit, but I was just, I was so dismayingly like world spinning, trying not to uh-huh. be- physically sick from the vertigo that I did not take advantage of that situation like I could have. So, but at the same time, they found out my name. I got to talk to them in that own way. That's, that's, that's networking. And I don't try and hard sell somebody anyway. So I wouldn't have done that, but there's certainly a little more I could have done. <laughs> so How that's what those I could have, I could meet and did and didn't quite do what I wanted, but she was very friendly and I told her I was brighter and that I knew who she was and all that good stuff. So we'll see. Maybe, maybe she'll remember my name anyway. <laughs> how, long, how long ago was this? This was about a month ago. <laughs> uh, uh, Joker Con, yes, in Denver. So yeah, I was like, I can't believe that. And I, oh, and that was the other thing is that my husband was picking me up. And so I get a text like just right then after she sits down and I, and I was like, I can't make him drive around downtown Denver. That's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was like this weird combination of fates that kind of pulled in two different directions at the same time. I think. Did you at least get her business card number email? Oh yeah. I have, and I, and I have all that. I know how to contact her, but okay. yeah. So, but she asked my name and she chatted with me and everything like that. So. Oh yeah. So got, obviously. 
a, one of the, a big horror author that I respect, Linda D. Addison was there. So I had to talk to her too. So, you know, it was still worthwhile. Yeah, that's epic. Well, cool. Name the most important one or two things that everyday people can do. Sally at the grocery store to help you <laughs> accomplish your dreams. So there's two things. So for my family, and they're really good about this anyway, my family understands that this is important to me, that this is my career. And they're good about giving me space when I need it. That's, that's the big thing, right, is space and support. And a lot of writers don't have either, but support can be a big one. Constantly being told, um, oh, well, don't you need to get a real job? Like, this is a hobby. You need to get a real job. It is a real job. So, but, and my family understands that. I just feel for those, so many writers that don't have that and other artists and creatives, I'm sure. But so that's one thing. And people are really good about that. And then the other thing for anybody who has a product, right, is that, just telling me say that they read it and it was good as one thing, but reviews really make a difference for writers, but also sharing the information with other people who might also want to say, read it and use that product is huge. And you don't want to ask people to do it too much, but it really, really, really helps. And that's a great way to support someone is to help them get that out there. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Absolutely. Well, now we're going to jump into our thriving three. And our first question is, what's your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one. Okay. So for books, and this is an old one, which is kind of funny, but uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest by Ken Casey has long been a favorite. I haven't even read anything else by him, but that book I returned to over and over <laughs> again because there were. Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> because he has a, a, a certain beauty in his writing. That's amazing. So I read it. It's learn. one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah. That the movie was based off of. <laughs> I didn't know it was a movie. I've never heard of that. Oh, really? Yeah. I went, I, Jack Nicholson was in it and it's an old one again, I think like seventies, but. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. 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 Is that a horror? In a way it is, but really I think it's literary is how it would be shelved. But it's about, it's about experiences in an asylum. Okay. Yeah. Told from the viewpoint of a Native American man who is a lot smarter than they think he is, but he is also, he is also crazy. (laughs) Yeah. And it's that working of him narrating this book and you're seeing his reality, which is pretty much your reality, but also everything he takes in and everything he sees in other people. It's pretty, it's. And psychologically, it's really interesting, too. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Maybe I'll have to give it a watch, although it's from the 70s. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, and of course, in the movie, it became all about Jack Nicholson and the Native American character was kind of on the side. Yeah. He was the narrator in the book. But, you know, it's how it worked. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And what is one way you like to take care of yourself? So hikes and walks are big for me for that. And. I lit, I back up basically to a park, which, and, and as in a park, I mean like a protective, you can hike in it. It's not like a green field or anything like that, but I can, it's so easy for me to take a five minute walk and be in the middle of nowhere, which I need. That gives me the solitude I need. And just being outdoors and moving like that is huge for me. It always has been. It sets, it 
my mind can really work when I'm out there and get through things. And sometimes if I'm having trouble figuring something out and I go for that hike or even just a walk, I like to walk at night when I won't run into people because then they'll distract me, (laughs) but then it can help me work through that or a plot problem or what do I need to do next with this? So, yeah, yeah. for sure. Are you an introvert? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm an introverted extrovert because I do. I enjoy being around people when I want to be (laughs) and I can be good at it, but then I will go home and crash. Yeah. Because so, yeah. all the energy just drained right out of me. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could tell. I'm also pretty social. I mean, I host a podcast, so I, yeah. I can be social, but I'm so extremely introverted. Like, I'll be walking up to social situations sometimes, and I, I'll just be like, anything but this right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I haven't taken that time for myself to recharge, right? And so... Um, no, that's exactly right. Yeah. It, really, it really is like an energy exchange thing. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. <laughs> Well, awesome. I just, I had to ask that because you said, um, I go at night. Yes. Nobody can run into me. <laughs> I was like, she's an introvert. <laughs> I like, I just want to be alone. I love that. I have a family. Like my husband totally understands my need and he needs some alone time too. Maybe not as much as I do, but he needs it. And so we have really worked something well out, but we've been married like, I don't know, 26 years or something like that. So, yeah. but yeah, it's funny though, how much as an author, this is another thing. It goes along with the marketing, how much you have to kind of force yourself to be social and do stuff to get out there because how can people find you if you're not out there? No, it's facts. Anything entrepreneurial runs on relationships. Yes. It just yeah. does. Yeah. Well, what is one action step that you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to find the right agent that loves your work and is connected in the right ways? So... I have an agent that's interested that I'd sent a previous book to and they didn't think that book was sellable, but they liked how I wrote and they liked what I wrote, but right now the market wouldn't support it. So they have asked me, I'm currently editing a book and they have asked me to send that to them when I'm done. So my action right now is most definitely finishing that act, that editing, but not rushing it. And that's the important thing, right? It needs to be done because this is not a guarantee. Uh, but I do like this agent. And so maybe we'll end up working together. That'd be great. So yes, that is what I'm doing right now. Finish editing, get that puppy all pretty. And and then I need to send it off. And submitting is often the hardest thing for authors. It's one of the big things I push in like workshops and stuff is if you write it and then it sits there, is that supporting your goals? It's not. (laughs) Send it. It's hard to get a rejection, but it gets less hard the longer you do it for. So So do you do author coaching at all? I don't, but I teach a lot of just workshops. I really like, I really like being able to pass along what I've learned so that other people don't have to learn it the hard way because I really, I did. Yeah. Everything I've come over has been through work and digging and researching and learning by doing things wrong sometimes. Yeah. So yeah, if I can help people, yay. (laughs) would you be open to doing author coaching or is that kind of like I'm not a coach I'm an introvert (laughs) right yeah Uh, I I feel like so I've thought about it here and there but it it, it usually comes down to at this time in my life I don't think that that's necessarily something I do as well as I'd like to Uh, in the future there's mentor programs through one of the writing 
national running groups I'm in and I might try that first and see how that works out. But I, I've kind of mentored and talked to people privately, but I haven't made it a business. So yeah. it's a possibility in the future, but not right now in the plans. I feel that. I feel that. Well, cool. You actually get a follow-up question on action steps. Okay. <laughs> um, how are you going to follow up with, I'm blanking on her name, but you have to follow up oh. with her because you met Helen her. Helen yeah. <laughs> well, here's the, here's the beauty of it. In writing, say if you meet somebody, agent or an editor, publisher, anything like that, another writer at a conference, that's the first thing you put in a letter when you send it to them is, I, I really enjoyed meeting you. <laughs> at yeah. StokerCon when my head was spinning and you were yeah. waiting for your food. And, and so I can use that meeting, you know, I can. Yeah. And again, then it hinges on, I hope she remembers me. Yeah. Which is why the sooner the better. That's right. Yeah. So what are you going to do it by? I have a story that I'd like to submit. The thing about how it works is usually the publisher has to submit in these cases to that type of publication. So the action step for me is I plan on when that opens up for submissions, contacting that editor with the story that I I think might do it, you know, the one that I think qualifies and that she might like and say, Hey, (laughs) can you send a copy? Cause it's a matter of sending a, she likes a hard copy. It's a matter of them sending a hard copy to her. Okay. So is it like, you would send that letter. Hey, I remember meeting you at this place at this time uh, when you were doing this and you would send that with your publication. Yeah. I gotcha. I, I was well, thinking also my own book. So with that's full of short stories, I would submit that book as well. <laughs> gotcha. And then that letter would be with that. I gotcha. I gotcha. Okay. And when is that next year? Is that next month? Is that it should be the end of this year that the call goes out because it's four books published this year. And so the call goes out and they say if it's coming out, I think it usually opens up in about October. So there's my, I have it already. I think I actually have the date of the last year on my calendar. It doesn't mean it'll open the same time, but that's when I start looking. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Would it be worth sending the letter separately and getting on a zoom call with her and networking a bit more before sending it, or would that not be ideal for the author world? For the author world, usually not ideal because most likely she's also an introvert. (laughs) Most of us are. And there are a few that aren't my co-host on the, my podcast. She, she loves a mic. She loves a microphone. (laughs) She is not ashamed of it. And, (laughs) but Yeah. In this case, that one's trickier. And so, but what I do is that's why I go to conferences, to writers conferences so that I can meet them so that you can, I can sit at a table with them at a meal, for example, or do, you know, something like that, where you get close to them and you talk to them and you don't have to be a freaky sucker and you don't have to hard sell them. That's not the point in the writing world that doesn't work so well. A lot of the time, but you also research the person ahead of time. So, yeah. you know, you, you know what has worked with them and what has not worked with them in the past and who is more open say to, hey, go ahead and p- elevator pitch me in the hallway or whatever. So, uh, yeah. So I know a bit about her. So <laughs> there we go. There we go. Well, that's really cool. I know like in the real estate world, anybody will jump on calls because there's always a deal to be made. Oh, yeah. Um, 
but in the writing world, it may be a little different. So I just wanted to ask. Well, nice. We're going to jump into our final series of questions now. It used to just be one question. I've expanded it since then. Mm -hmm. And it's going to require a bit of pretext, so stick with me, okay? So a lot of people have come on the podcast, and they have said that the catalyst that helps people change from having a fixed mindset, not willing to accept help, and not willing to accept change, to having a growth mindset, willing to accept help, and willing to accept change, the catalyst that helps them make that switch is a personal choice that happens after either extreme inspiration or extreme desperation. Do you agree, disagree, anything to add or subtract? I, in general, like that. It makes sense. I don't think that it would always have to be an extreme Mm -hmm. of the positive or negative to make it happen because it really would come down to mindset. And sometimes I feel you can control your mindset enough to be able to say, no, that's it. It's time for me to buckle down, you know? And so, yeah, overall, I like it, (laughs) but I do think that there are nuances. There we go. Yeah. It doesn't always have to be extreme or, um, yeah, it could be a very small amount, honestly, for some people, it could be none and they could just inspire themselves, you know? Well, they could, yeah. Cause it could be that little thing that just kind of happens on top of the other things that have happened that, that, you know, it collapses that or whatever it does. And then it's like, do this absolutely well our next question is given that same amount of extreme inspiration or desperation why do you think some people change and others don't i think that you have to reach certain points mentally and in your life to be able to see where change needs to happen and i don't want to put that on age because eh, i think that can be kind of crass and you know, <laughs> but everybody lives a different life. And some people go through certain experiences earlier than others. And some people maybe have it tougher and can reach it earlier or later because of that. But, um, wow. I just totally forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> I was going and I had it and I knew where I was going and then it went, but yeah, some people are going to be stuck because they haven't dealt with something or had that thing happen in their life or that series of things, whatever it needs to be for them to understand that to be successful or to get where you need to go. Yes. It takes that determination, but it also takes that malleability and adaptability that I think we as humans have in so much, right? It's what we do. It's how we've gotten to where we are, but if you're comfortable or even if you're not completely comfortable, but you're okay with being stagnant or whatever it is in that place, it can be really hard to get past that because it sounds like work, right? <laughs> it sounds like a lot of work. And so it's not easy to do. And it really comes down to how important is what you want. And do you have the information and the backup and whatever you need to be able to make that thing happen? But yeah, I think it's easier to get complacent. And that's why. Hold that. I feel that. Well, awesome. Some people need a smaller amount of desperation or inspiration to change and others need a larger, more consistent amount. You may echo yourself a little bit here, but what do you think establishes that breaking point, that threshold? And can it be influenced? Do you mean like influence from the outside? 
yeah, so like, could I influence your breaking point or could an event in your life influence your breaking point or the media, the news? Oh, I imagine, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Everything factors in, all of our experiences, everybody that we're around, everything that's happening around us. I think a lot of people are actually having those breaking points because of stuff that's happened over the last couple of years. Our lives have changed dynamically and massively, even in ways that we probably don't even know yet, which admittedly, I find a little fascinating, (laughs) but that is, but I mean, that's what the writing's about too, is the what ifs and trying to look ahead at stuff like that. But so yes, absolutely. It can be influenced from the outside. Yep. There we go. And this is our last question. And for this question, I want you to have a person in mind, this avatar. And it's the avatar of a person who has a really fixed mindset. They're not willing to accept help. They're not willing to accept change. Keep that person in mind. In Atomic Habits, James Clear talks about the four laws of changing your behavior. And the laws are make it obvious, make it attractive, make it easy, and make it satisfying. With that context in mind, and the avatar that I just told you to kind of keep in your head, how can we create an environment for that avatar that makes it obvious, attractive, easy, and satisfying for them to make the choice that will change their life? And let me put some more context on this. Easy doesn't necessarily mean it is easy. It just means it is easier than staying the same. If that makes sense. All right. So this avatar that's stuck in their ways and doesn't want help or change and what could be done to influence that to change what well what could we do to create an environment that influences their choices because we're not trying to change them because we we don't want to change people we want to create an environment people (laughs) exactly we want to create an environment that's conducive to them being their best self and making a choice to commit to being their best self i i feel like we live a largely online world right now in a lot of ways. And again, impacted greatly by the last couple of years, that's kind of doubled down. And the one thing I find that people most need, so we've talked about something big negative or something big positive can influence it. I think big negative is less likely to cause a positive and good change for the future than a positive is. I feel like people don't, haven't quite figured out how to support each other online and how to make the world in general, hospitable to other people. If you go onto a social media site and this person is posting, I hate this, this movie, that book, all of this stuff. And you're seeing these negatives and maybe there's something you love, for example, or they're posting a lot of negatives about something else, or they're critical of something that somebody did. And it's something that you did. There's little hurts and cuts that can come all the time. And I think that I don't want people censoring themselves. So that's not at all what I'm saying, but as individuals, we can be working to provide a more supportive surrounding world in the places where we ourselves are present, whether that's online or in person. And for example, for me, because that is important. And like I said, I like to try and make it easier for other people so they don't have to struggle like I did. And I know a lot of people that may not look at it that way and say, I struggled, you must also struggle. Mm-hmm. But I've worked, I've done a, a decade of work for writers groups, for example. And my presence there was putting on events that were educational and 
reaching out to people and letting them know that this existed and that there was this support out there. Cause again, so many don't have families or friends that believe in them and support them. So I was doing that say in my local way. And then I try and do that online as well and put out positive things and ask people questions about themselves and make it something where people are comfortable being themselves. So I like to ask little questions that somebody can say something small about themselves that doesn't out them or make them uncomfortable or anything like that. So I feel like that was a rambling to say what we can do is make, just try to make the spaces we fill be welcoming, supportive spaces and just quit disparaging other people and (laughs) judging other people and the way they live and doing all of that. Because I feel like in a positive atmosphere, there's, there's room for growth and for finally thinking about yourself and going from there. I feel like most of my growth hasn't come out of negative things, but out of positive things. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I really like that a lot. I think, um, <laughs> no, yeah, seriously. I think community is important. And I think um, there's this book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yes. And I think his first like kind of rules, like don't criticize, condemn, or complain. And I'm like, man, that is like a big chunk of the stuff that comes out of my mouth when you really start to break it down. It's like you're either judging somebody from afar or you're like condemning something that's different from you or you're complaining. And it's like, yeah, it's not 90%, but it's like, have you gone through a day without criticizing, condemning, or complaining? A week? A Uh, month? If you've done a month, kudos to you. I need to come hang out with you because that's just amazing, you know? And so I think we're kind of wired, just our brains in general, to like protect us, which means to like focus on the negative things that we can perceive as dangerous, which used to be really helpful. Now, dangerous is like other people's negative opinions, which isn't really that dangerous. Yeah, it's not. And yet you can watch it build, (laughs) you know? And, And again, it's what death by a thousand cuts, right? It can just keep hitting and hurting. And I, and believe me, I'm not going to say I've never done it or that I don't still catch myself doing stuff like that. And so I try really hard not to do that, not to, or as a friend of mine puts it (laughs) succinctly, but it says it, I try not to yuck someone else's yum, for example. I gotcha. (laughs) There's no reason for me to criticize something unless I'm say specifically asked for my opinion about it. Yeah. And sure then, but yeah, I've tried to be a lot more cognizant of how I handle things. And part of that is probably because I have teenagers and what you do impacts them deeply emotionally. And they're learning from what you're doing right now. And so how I cope with things and how I talk about things, that's going to influence how they do as well. And so that was another place I had to be aware of it. No. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so important. And you also talked about how you don't want to tell people to censor themselves, which I think was really kind. Um, but I kind of think we all want people to censor themselves. <laughs> um, mostly because I, you know, I just don't think your people's opinions, not yours specifically, yeah. but people's opinions are always necessary, especially when they're like, when there's not a relationship there. So I feel like you need to earn the right to be heard sometimes. Because if you're coming from a particularly negative stance on somebody's um, life, they need to know that there's a foundation of love first. Yes. Well, and yeah, the way you put that 
that's absolutely true. And there are days where I'm like, why are you talking? <laughs> you got everything you've said is anathema to me, you know? And so that, yeah, I don't want to hear it, but I have to acknowledge that sometimes that's the only way I understand where somebody else is coming from too. Yeah. And I do try to understand that because I can't, I don't want to say fight because that seems a little extreme, but I can't come against it or educate differently if I don't know why it is the way they think they do sometimes. But yeah, there's things that it's like, it's one thing if I'm complaining to my husband about this or say this person's parenting, because I think this was the first big place I learned this lesson is becoming a mother. Suddenly everything I did was under a microscope and everybody had an opinion about it. And there were like warring mother factions. It's the craziest world I think I've ever entered. And I'm in the writing world, which is crazy by definition, but the mom world craziest of all. And I, it took me a while to reach this point where it didn't hurt me to hear somebody passively say something when it turned out they were talking about me and they didn't even know it, (laughs) you know? So yeah, that was really when I started that journey to, okay, <laughs> the things I say matter to other people and yes. the things I say in passing or judging, cause we're all going to judge. It would be a lie to say that we're not going to judge it. It happens fleetingly even right. Where you see oh, yeah. something you're like, I would never do that. <laughs> and again, parenting taught me that one too. Ah, my kids will never behave that way. I would never let them do this. So yeah, for me, I, I, try very hard not to please other people. I have strong opinions. I am a person with strong opinions, but I try not to please other people. And I try to then please myself that way. So that if nothing else, the people around me maybe pick up on that and can do the same, but yeah, it's different to complain to my husband versus post something on social media that might send a few arrows out. Yeah. And you know, (laughs) social media, (laughs) it's the first place that it'll happen. Cause you know, when you're in person, you can at least like read some body language so you can tell if they're like trying to be hostile, but social media, people can interpret sentences any type of way. <laughs> like yes. there's just no other information that you're kind of interpreting off of. And then they shoot something back. You're like, I didn't even mean it like that, but now we're going. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's right. Like, oh, it's on now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for yeah sure. I'm not immune to that. <laughs> For sure. So I'm like, I kind of have a rule on my page that it's the don't argue with me. <laughs> you yeah. didn't want my opinion posted on your page that you didn't like what I said, but yeah, you don't get to argue on my page. So <laughs> no, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, awesome. That's all we have for the podcast, Shannon. Is there anything else you want to chat about before no. we sign off? I think that was fun. Thank you. <laughs> cool. Of course. Yeah. No, thanks for coming on. And guys, if you're listening to this, and you loved Shannon, you loved her kind of short horror stories, and you love tension <laughs> in your back and want to be scared yeah. from reading, uh, go ahead and go pick up Shannon's short stories. I might pick up, um, especially because they're short, I can assume read them in one sitting, right? Yeah, short stories should be, each story should be readable in a sitting. Absolutely. So yeah, I might have to pick some up and read it because I want to see, I'm curious to see if you can actually make me feel tension from writing. I'm like, will that really happen? And I'm like, I don't know. I want to see. (laughs) No, I mean, you've been writing for years. Yeah. And I'm like, you've been doing it successfully. So I need to kind of have my mind blown. So I'll have to go read. (laughs) Um, 
but uh yeah awesome shannon thanks for coming on thank you guys for listening go ahead and buy some of her books share it with some of your friends as well as did i mess something up shannon no okay awesome <laughs> yep buy the books share it with your friends rate it on amazon or is there another place you want it to be rated oh yeah amazon goodreads Barnes and noble wherever they are any any rating helps <laughs> there we go and as we always ask shoot this podcast to one to three people you know need to hear this message go ahead and give us a five-star review on itunes and we're out guys thanks for listening make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them if you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals make sure to check out the website workwithtimmydouglas.com and contact me either there or on social media that's all i got have a blessed day